Good morning, everybody. It's Tony Fleming. This is our 7 a.m. Eastern Mindset Call, Mental Toughness Call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can tell in my voice that I'm going through some mental toughness things. I have a bad sinus infection, but guess what? I'm on here because I'm mentally tough. <laughs> I'm mentally tough. I'm going to fight through it. I'm going to fight through it. Well, I'm going to kind of fight through it. I'm not going to do too much fighting today because I'm going to have Big Lou on again uh, with some more recordings that we have this morning. Uh, for some of y'all who are new listening for the first time or, you know, lately, um, Mr. Lewis Fields is a good friend of our team here. He's a good friend of mine. Um, met Lewis uh, two, two and a half years ago, I think, trying to get books into prisons. Lewis was there for a, man, 23-year stint. But guess what? He's out now. He is out now. It's been, I guess, six months now. Maybe. I don't know if it's been a whole six months. See, October, November, December. Yeah, around six months. And uh, we like to have Lou on because, you know, we played some recordings that I did while he was actually uh, uh, in a facility up in Cleveland, Ohio, well, in the Ohio area. And uh, his change, the things that he did, the books that he read, how he changed his life right there in prison and how he's implementing some of those things outside now, you know. So we're playing these clips that we did two years ago. And, you know, I'm going to play about 30 minutes today, and then I'm going to have Lou uh, on to answer or to talk about those clips. So, Lou, you know, listen to these things that we talk about and see, you know, from the things that you said there, you know, the process of you implementing those things now and, you know, how is it working and going from there. But everything that he said is something that we can use in our life when it comes to business, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to um, our jobs, if you listen to it, because you change your thoughts, you change your life. And a lot of us don't change our thoughts. A lot of us just kind of keep the same old thoughts we've had for years. And he talks about that, that when he first started reading, how he pulled up some of the thoughts that he had and how he, you know, decided that it was a, it was time for him to change and, and, and become a different person. And that's what we're asking you all to do, you know, because if you change and become a different person, your business life will change, your job will change, your relationships will change. Uh, but you got to change your thoughts first because you change your thoughts, then you change your actions, then you change your life. And then, you know, uh, but we're so, you know, I got to get, I got to get this, got to get, you know, no, you got to change. You have to change. You have to become a different person from the neighborhoods that we grew up in because most of us grew up in a poor middle class neighborhood, things of that sort. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to play a little of the Spartans. For a minute that we do, and when I come back, I'm going to click on, I think, interview number 11. We did 12 interviews with Lou. Um, I still hadn't done number one because I wanted to go through all these first, and then I'm going to go back to the first one uh, when we first start talking and let you hear who he is or let, him, let you hear what happened. I want you to hear who he is first, and then I want to back up and, you know, let you know what happened because a lot of times people judge you from the first and they can't hear the rest. So I want y'all to hear the rest, then I'll come back to the first. But until then, we're going to do this, and I'll be right back.
is in the breakdown of dysfunctional interpersonal relationship with oneself. And that's big. That's huge. Because if that's where crime begins, if that's where the criminal element, antisocial, the predatory assault uh, begins, that's where it's fixed at then. That is the arena where it must be fixed at. And if we fix it there in the interpersonal development of men and women who have fallen into dysfunction, and therefore the next step is that ripple effect will go out into their circle and into their web of connections and relationships, and the healing process can begin, and then you can start to respond. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. That is the whole mindset and principle I come with from restorative justice. Good, you want to say something? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm sitting here. Okay. Right. So if okay. I, I'm going to try so, to jump in if I got any okay. questions. But, but, but so, if you stop again, you know, then I'll... You know, I'll I'll let you know if I got some. Okay. So the three perspectives and questions that we must ask ourselves, I believe, in dealing with everything in life, but we're just going to go with these these builders' modules, is how do I take accountability for my decisions and the outcomes they have created? Uh, Question two, how do I personally participate in making amends? And three, how do I develop a positive relationship with myself? If your relationship with yourself is broken, you're going to reflect that in every relationship you have. So every relationship you have will be tainted with whatever bitter roots and with whatever traumas, uh, hang-ups, misconceptions, thinking errors, uh, dysfunctions that you are dealing with within, you're going to reflect those things on the outside. So... It's a breakdown of all of society when one person is out of balance So, because the relationships can't be balanced because you're going to drag and draw the energies, the time, the material, the resources of the community without any type of reciprocity. And we are built to connect and interact with one another. And when you start moving out of that predatory mindset, the predatory mindset is getting mine, i got to have mine. Uh, it's that, that jungle mentality, or I'm a I'm an animal. And so you start equating yourself to animals and stuff. I'm a beast, I'm a dog, and all this nonsense. It brings that predatory mindset, which is antisocial and against societal norms and the conventional ways of thinking. So the next perspective is rebuilding my family. How do I address the harm I've caused my family? How do I make things right with my family? How do I rebuild a positive relationship with my family? This is tough. This is probably the toughest out of all of them, is your primary victim, because your primary victim is a You have one minute remaining. The, the, the primary victim is the person who actually committed the crime. Yes. Secondary victims now become your family and the victim's family uh, and the community. The relationship with your family is so tough because there's so much history there. It's so many feelings that are so deep-rooted and biases that are already ingrained within families that a lot of times those things are hard. Uh, and only time and consistency changes those things. Your family looking at your life working is the best model you can give them to forgive you and to accept you back into the beloved uh, of the family. And then on the other side of that, duality of that is there are some families where you don't ever want to be accepted back because the family is so dysfunctional, it will ruin and derail 
your progress. So that's why the family situation is tough. Not undoable, but it's tough, and you have to judge that thing accordingly because in some relationships you should be letting go of, and in other relationships you should. Thank you for using GTL. Uh, I was talking about the duality that goes with the family relationships, and what makes it so tough is those that you have come up with and that you love might be the very ones you need to allow to let go their own way so that you can go your own way on your path. And if y'all meet up somewhere, you know, down the road, so be it. But right now, for the health and the sanctity of your relationship with yourself and what you're working on, a lot of times your family are the very people you need to disconnect with, at least some of the people in your family with their relationships. The other key is that with family... Are you saying... Are you saying disconnect with them while you are currently in prison so that you don't have to deal with the the uh, negativity that they bring? But are you saying uh, also when you leave out of prison, you stand far away from them as much as possible or what? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If once you, and that's why you got to deal with yourself first. You've got to get yourself together first because you don't know what you're up against. You don't know why. If you don't know why you commit crime, if you don't know why you was getting high, if you don't know why you had the gun, if you don't know why you stopped going to school, if you can't answer those why questions, then you have not discovered yourself yet. Because once you find out why, and then you can say, oh, man, and you start reflecting on your life, that life that is reflected upon, and you start going through the process of, dang, okay, I forgot this happened, and this led to this, and you start seeing this string and web of events. Then you start looking at the relationships you have with people, how these relationships have an effect on you and your thinking and your development. And then you start seeing sometimes, not in all cases, sometimes and most of the times, maybe the relationships I have with my family wasn't all that healthy. So a season... This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. So it seems that disconnect while you get yourself together might look like, okay, I used to call family member A, B, C, or whatever every week. I used to talk to this person every day. Maybe I just start calling them once a month. Glad you're there, glad you're alive. Maybe I'll start writing them letters. Because with a letter, I can express that, okay, I still care about you, and but I don't have to allow you to infect me with your infectious disease, you know, which I'm healing myself from. Uh, so you've got to give yourself boundaries. And that's, and that's another thing. How do I set healthy boundaries and understand that people will be offended by my boundaries? But that's okay. Being okay with uncomfortable and awkward situations, being okay with things that you really don't want to do, because this is hard. This is not something people want to do. This is why very few people do it and have success. Like we're talking about success is rare. I think we talked about that earlier. Because all the things that lead to success are hard. They're not easy. And being okay with understanding I don't like this. I'm awkward with it. Uh, I'm not fully comfortable with it. It doesn't necessarily feel good in the moment. It's okay, but you must understand it's something that must be done. It's a necessary thing that must be done. So when you can grow into that maturity in life, then everything ain't cake. You know, you got to eat some, some corn and some green beans and some Brussels sprouts because it's necessary for nutrients, even if you don't like them. you got to drink some water. You can't drink pop all day. You start growing up in your relationships. You start having success. You start getting some victories uh, in the processes that it takes to build up the skills and the acumen to function in life as an adult. 
in a conventional society and be a fruitful member of society. But all these things are hard. They're not easy. But the first step is to have the will to want to do it and to be okay with awkward situations. Like the I go back to that common denominator of success that Ian Gray. Getting the habit of doing the things that other people do not want to do. The habit of it. Not just once in a while. Once in a while we'll do it. But the habit of doing it because then it becomes natural. And you see the fruit that comes from it. I was talking to someone last night and I was expressing to them how the purpose I got on my life does not come from a book. It does not come from imagination. It comes from my walk with Christ from over a decade and the things that he has communicated to me about why I'm still here because I never understood why I was here and it's purpose. So it's the reason I move how I move and it offends people sometimes. It's offensive because it's a clear direction and it's a I'm going this way, and I don't have time for anything else. So conflict arises from scarce resources. So now there's a conflict with relationships because my relationships are all wrapped around the purpose of my life, my kind. There was a brother in here who used to always tell me that. He said, because they call me big, he's like, big, you got to find your kind. He said, your problem is you've been dealing and you, you're searching you're dealing with everybody else and they stuff, but you ain't found your kind yet. And the only way I could find my kind was not by looking for it, but by getting my own identity. And once I got my own identity and I'm comfortable, comfortable with the awkwardness of being me. Because at first when you start being you, it's awkward. Because all those people you thought you knew, you don't know. That's the reason why you got to separate from your family. Because they don't know you, nor do you know them. They knew you as you were when you were faking, when you were in your false identity. So how can I choose my friends and my family if I didn't even know myself? How can mm. I say this is my friend? How can I say this is my buddy? Oh, I've known him for 18 years. I grew up with him. So what? Y'all lived on the same street. So what? You lived on the same street with a whole bunch of people. You lived on the same street with the milkman. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. We've been going to school together since I've known him. That don't mean he's your friend. That don't mean y'all of a similar kind. It don't mean he is a part of your purpose. You should outgrow relationships. A season, a reason, a lifetime. You know, and sometimes you'll outgrow a relationship and the relationship will come back around. Sometimes it won't. But you can't be caught up on one relationship that's outside of who you are. But you have to know who you are. This is why it's hard for people to pick uh, spouses. Because you pick a spouse when you have an identity crisis, then you realize as you start growing, like, hmm, I don't know how I pick this person because the person I am now would never pick this person. Now you got an issue. This is why change is so hard. It's the reason why those that's around you, while you're going through your change, very few of them are going to really be receptive and supportive. It's a lonely road. This process of dealing with the relationship with yourself and when you start looking at the relationships with your family are going to be tough due to the fact that you're leaving them. That's what it signifies. At first they say, oh, I see you reading. Oh, that's good. I can tell. It sounds good. Oh, that sounds real good. But then when you start applying it in your life and your actions start changing, then they realize, oh, you're leaving me. So if you're leaving me, that means something's wrong with me. It's a rejection. It can't help but be that. When you start changing, you're going to reject a lot of stuff because a lot of stuff you just ain't on no more. And it's a very awkward, lonely place. I want to talk about that because this is the fear, one of the fears of change. Because people will start doing it, and they get on that road, 
And then it's like, well, these are my friends. They doing this. And you got this idea. Should I go back with the group, go back to the trough and, and eat with the pigs? Or I'd have cleaned myself up and I'm separating myself, but who going to know me now? Who am I going to be now? What am I going to do now? That's why you see entertainers. You know the tragic life of child stars and people that used to be real big back in the day, you know, still, you know, trying to rock the same costumes they had 40 years ago and stuff because that's the idea. Brother, that was just a job you had. It's good that you was there. You know, you was popular back there. I can see if you're doing a show, you still running around dressed up in a Halloween costume. <laughs> you know, Bruh, let, me, let me tell you something, man. Do you know that this is our whole thought process on our, on our mindset calls is we emphasize that that part there in order for you to grow, and when you grow, you're going to start separating. You're going to have to separate, and when you separate, a, a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to, you know, this is what they say to me. Well, Tony, everybody ain't like you. And I'm like, well, you might need to become like that because you got to separate from these people because if not, you know, for me, I always emphasize at 28, I started reading books. You have one minute remaining. When I started reading books, man, I was just sneaking to my apartment because my boy lived right across from me. He he'll be come in. And I knew he was going to knock on the door, but I was sneaking there, man. <laughs> I'd read, I be reading all night, man. he see my car out there, he might even knock on the door. I wouldn't answer. It'd be like, you know, maybe you got a girl in there or something. But I just, I had to separate, man. I had to because you can't grow if you don't separate. And uh, the call's about to end, man, so we'll pick up on this when you call back. Yeah, and that's funny. I'm going to share something. I don't think I shared this with you. Uh, about when I was when the Lord was dealing with my heart when I was had reading the Bible. Can I talk about that. I need to hear about that. Yeah, somebody brought that up last night. They asked me. That's what we were talking last night. And I, I hadn't thought about that in a while about the process I went through and exactly what you're talking about. When you first go through it, you gotta hide. It's like because yep. you, you're in enemy territory. You realize yep. like Man, these people ain't for me. These people crazy. <laughs> you gotta hide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for using GTL. Uh, you're just talking about having for people. So, right. When the Lord started doing my heart, my um, my first nephew, because I didn't have any children. My sister, my sister, we got the same mother. We didn't have any children. My two baby brothers, sisters, real little. They couldn't have children at that point. So this was like the first child born amongst my siblings. My nephew was born, and my grandfather died. My grandfather signified the first person I had lost while doing this time that was my immediate family. Like, everybody in my immediate family had, you know, been living. So this happened, like, in the same month. So it, like, it did something. It was like a beginning and an end, and it made me start thinking about my responsibility. Uh, I was reading at this time. I wasn't yet really reading mindset books, all that all that tough. I was reading more history, philosophy type stuff. Uh, but it made me start thinking about this responsibility I had. And I reached out, and I started reading the Bible. Now, when I read the Bible, now this is the, on the flip side of this, I was the biggest opponent of God that you would find. People started talking about God exists, and I started saying, no, he don't, ain't no God, what not, blasphemy. I've said so some you, you, you were solved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I say maybe I was worse than that, because at least he believed in God. He just had a, a wrong understanding of what God wanted for him. I was a mess. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why I know when they say God take care of babies and fools, that's not a verse in the Bible. But I believe there's some truth in that because I was the biggest fool you could find. Uh, so, but it moved my heart. I, I reached, I started reading the Bible. And me, I read from the beginning. I started from the beginning. I didn't understand how the Bible was put together or what the, the purpose of it was. I just, so I started from the beginning. 
So, so you didn't was, have like a you didn't have like a a Bible guru in there, or like you know how people join the Muslims, they see a guy in there that's reading a lot, and they go to him, and you know. So you just did all this on your own. Yeah, because I wasn't very trusted of people. No way. I had a lot of from that. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility, and may be recorded and monitored. Stand office because my whole thing with churches was that they just after your money and trying to screw all the women anyway. I didn't believe in them no way, so I wasn't going to know hey, to hey. be a Jack Leg preacher, no hey, way, hey. jail preacher. You, so, you ain't that far off. <laughs> yeah, it isn't that, that sad. <laughs> and, and what I had to realize is that the church is in the body of Christ. It's not them bills. Them is men and them bills and body of Christ. Right. That's a whole other discussion. So hold on, we'll okay. be here for <laughs> So anyway, uh-huh. so. So I'm hiding, I'm reading the Bible. So in the, I'm in the cell block then, I'm in trouble. This was like 06, 07 or whatnot. So I got to sign up. You could put it, we put like a piece of cardboard on a window that signified like you in the bathroom, give you some privacy. You know, don't, you know, so don't nobody come open up your door or not. You're in there indisposed. So I'll put the sign up, and I'll be in there reading the Bible. <laughs> the Bible tearing me up. You talking about the law convicting me. I'm reading, you know, through Genesis I done got the Moses, the Ten Commandments, and I'm all and judges, the prophets. And I'm like, Ooh I said, I'm going to hell. That was the one I said, I'm going to hell, and ain't nothing but hell for me. I said, My goodness. And that's why I started telling people, I said, with the life I done lived, I can't afford to believe in no God. Like, oh my goodness. Because I only read the beginning of the book, because that's where I was at. And I had this I'm talking about Mr. It hunted me. Day and night I would think about it. I would be dreaming about it. I'm like, I'm going to hell. Like, I can't go there. Like, I'm going to hell. I can't never be forgiven. I done broke every commandment there is. Like I said, Lord, have I'm going to hell. So a program came around called Kairos. I don't know to this day how I got at Kairos. I cannot remember. I don't know if somebody volunteered me or whatever. But Kairos is this weekend event. It starts Thursday night in the institutions, uh, non-denominational, and this group of men and women come in, and they feed you, and they witness to you, and the main thing, our, at least our topic of ours was, was forgiveness, God's forgiveness. So it didn't matter if you was a Catholic or whatever, whatever you believed in, the God can forgive you, that God is forgiven. So that was huge. And the whole experience of Kairos was huge because it was like a break from being in jail because we started Thursday night. From Thursday night, then first thing up in the morning, like at 7 in the morning, 7.30, you had to be over there. And you stayed over there all the way till like 7.30, 8 o'clock. Then you had to be there the next morning. So it was like you was out of jail for a weekend, and you're dealing with these people, you know, from the street, and they treating you like you, like you're human. You know, you interacting in a way you ain't interacting since you've been in the world. So the whole atmosphere of it was just beautiful. So what convinced me was not all the Bible verses, because I'm still a, a, a very debater, or, you know. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. The stuff they said, it was the first, when I reflected on that thing, on Sunday we had a chance to speak, like you get up and speak. And what I told them, I said, I said, God, it's up to this guy there. I ain't saying I'm a full believer or whatever, but it got to be something to this guy saying. But I said, this is the first time in my entire life, from a Thursday night to Sunday, I did not argue with nobody, and I didn't see nobody argue. First time that's ever happened in my life. Mr. Fleming, I can't think of a time or a moment in my life prior to that uh, participating in Kairos where I wasn't in an argument or other people around me weren't arguing and fighting from my childhood all the way up to prison. 
that was like a burning bush. That's why I, I say the Lord's been showing me burning bushes. That's how he been he deal with me. He get my attention through something. That got my attention. That made me think. I said something to this guy. I said so. They had a follow up. They would come in every week, and the uh, mentors would come and meet with you. You know, see how you're doing or whatnot. Give out free Bibles, like a little Bible study thing. So I would go to the little follow up every week to go in there and debate. So. Uh, brother named Dale Richardson from the City of Church. I don't know what happened to Dale Richardson. God bless him, though. That man put up with my craziness, and he witnessed to me about faith. Because I kept telling him, it can't be that easy. I said, I did all this sin, and all I got to do is believe in this God, y'all say, and then all of a sudden, now I'm going to go to heaven. I say, that don't make no sense. And I would debate with him. We would go back and forth. He would give me all types of analogies and allegories and blind and blind skip. He was very patient, very patient, brother. God gave him a lot of patience. So if I would if I'd have probably been him talking to me, I'd have just cussed me out and said, well, just go to hell there. So I was a fool, you hear me? So, he told me read Romans. He told me read Romans. He said, Go back and you read Romans. So I'm had in the cell. I was reading Romans four, Romans five, I got the Romans four and five when it started talking about imputation and justification. And when they gave the explanation of the first man Adam and the second man Adam and the imputation of sin through the works of Adam, even though we did not see it at the similitude of Adam, and that that is imputed to us. And I said, well, dang, if I accept the sin, because I believe that Adam sinned and that I can accept the sin, the bad. And then they said, well, it's the same thing with the free gift and the grace of uh, forgiveness with Jesus Christ and his blood, that that is also imputed to me without doing works. I said, well, hold on now, because now my mind because this is how my mind works. I got to have a system. It got to be, you know, it's got. I got to be able to see the process of it. I start processing. I said, now wait a minute. That makes sense. And I'm talking about. I don't know. Like I didn't hear the voice of God. I see no lightning bolts or nothing. They want like the Ten Commandments on TV. But the Lord saved me. That's that's when I believed in Jesus. That's when I became saved because I got it. And then that's when I was working at Rec. I was doing basketball all day. I quit my job at Rec. I started working at the uh, chapel. Our chapel in Trouble had a tremendous library. I'm talking about so many books and videos. And I couldn't remember the woman's name. I remember it last night. I got a hold of Paula White. She was talking about generational curses. Oh, my God, I listened to everything Paula White had. A uh, little white lady out of Orlando, Florida. She's fired. <laughs> yeah, I know Paula She's fired. And that just, it just, it freed something up in me and prepared the ground for what was to come. Because after that is when I, I stepped back down to my level. That's why I went to Maryland. Next time I went to Maryland. It taught me a different way to do time. Showed me this these programming and wrenching, how this program is supposed to work and being involved. And from there I came here. I met a brother that taught me about rightly dividing and debate and verifying truth uh, and the rules of logic. And it was just that prepared the soil for what was to come. And... That was a springboard, but I just want to talk about hiding for people because all this time I was hiding all this. And it was difficult because I started withdrawing because, like, you ain't going to wreck. Man, you ain't hooping today. No, I'm going to stay back. And I'm gonna, and it got weird. It got weird because what started happening was they started talking about me. They start, you know, I, I became like a, the, the, the butt of the joke. Yep. Oh, now you're going to be a Christian. So now, yep. oh, now you want to read the Bible. You ain't even oh, yeah. no more like us. We're going to hell now. Yeah. And, and it was like. It, it was like being it's like being eight years old again, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's why it was just because we were, I was talking about that yesterday, and then when you were talking about hiding from your dude, yeah, that mm-hmm. change you got to hide. Yep, you got to hide. 
<laughs> so they that now they saying, oh, oh, we heathens now. You 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 right? Oh <laughs> yeah. man, it was like being eight years old again, man. Yeah, like on the back of the bus, man. Throwing rocks. You know, you know, and I tell people that if you don't accept that, you go. This call you know, is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. It's going to be hard for you to change because you're going to still feel this pull uh, from them. And, uh, you know, because every Friday you're over there playing cards. Every Saturday y'all doing something, hanging out, drinking, having a good time. And when you separate from that, first of all, your old thinking is not going to let you just walk away like that. Your old thinking is going to be like, it's going to be in your ear the whole time. Like, hey, you know, you know what they're doing over there, right? So you sitting over here trying to do this and, and read and all this and, you know, that ain't that ain't you. You know what I'm saying? You need to get over there with them on on Friday, Saturday, you know, play some cards and, you know, spades and drink some beer and stuff and and usually the old thinking runs them back over there anyway. And then my thing is if you start growing and you start you know, reading the books and developing yourself, it's gonna push the old thinking out of the way and then you ain't gonna wanna do that. But a lot of times, man, Lewis, they don't get that they don't get that time, that window to do it, they they fall back into that trap before they even get developed, and uh, right. that's the challenge. Absolutely, and I and I the Lord, well, I was very fortunate. The Lord gave me a lot of grace because the way He brought me through. Like, so when I was in that cell and I read that Romans, and the Holy Spirit gave that to me, that was a bridge I crossed. I couldn't go back, and it was very awkward. And that was the beginning of me getting used to being in very awkward situations, and understanding how to navigate them and overcome them without anger and violence. Because my whole life I've been awkward. My whole life I've been weird. Uh, I've never felt like I've necessarily fit in. And how I handled awkward situations was emulating, you know, what I saw. You know, just, well, fuck everybody then. You know, the hell with it then. Just act a fool because I'm trying to protect my awkward, my awkwardness, this, this, this feeling of vulnerability. So to be cool with that and to start being cool with who you are, is a very freeing thing, and that was the beginning of that because what the Lord did with my heart and my mind, I couldn't go back. It's like it wasn't nothing there. Like it was impossible. It was an impossibility for me to go back. I was like, I can't go back to that. I can't go back to because he just showed me some stuff, and he started talking to me, and I was just reading. I'm talking about, you talking about in the Word, and man, I'm talking about being able to study and focus on something for hours. You know? Right. I'm talking about hours. Uh, meditating the Word, nothing but the Word. Uh, videos, books, and that library trauma was just tremendous. Then when I went to Mary, they had all the Miles Monroe, all these teachings, and they used to show them, like, I think it was a Friday, so we used to go up there Friday after dinner and mm-hmm. watch all these different seminars and things. And I got all that. It was like I got, like the Lord rushed all this, this teaching into me, all this stuff. And then I met this brother down here who is very strange, very awkward. But I had to meet him because he was the one that gave me the skills and the tools to rightly divide. Okay, you got all this stuff in you. All the stuff that's been in you, that's been implanted in you, ain't all good teaching. So now you got to go and be able to take this Bible, just you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit, and to rightly divide and cipher what is real and what is not, and verify truth and logic and critical thinking. Um there was a brother I met in Marion that started me on that line, too, because he was the first one to tell me. He said, that, that's who told me, you know, everybody that wrote a book got an agenda. And I was like, huh? Because I'm just, you know, I'm naive. I'm babe in Christ. I'm, I'm reading everything, everything true. I'm just happy to be in Jesus. I'm just everything, you know, every teacher, every win a doctor, 
He said, you know, everybody got a gender, so you got to figure out what set they are. Like, are they Mennonites? Are they uh, Catholic? Are they Baptists? Are they uh, First Church of Christ? And I, and I didn't know nothing about that. And that's when he started giving me that and preparing me that I met Kent. And that was like another, that was like, he was like high school, and Kent was like college level. You have one minute remaining. It was, I mean, I just look back and reflect on my life, man. Lord has been tremendous. I've had a tremendous teaching. It's all about education. Education. Educate myself, being a lifetime learner, being open to learning, wanting to learn. And the more I learn, the more I know I don't know everything. And I know very little. Because you evolve, you, you grow, you grow, you grow towards, you grow towards the next day, you grow towards who you're supposed to be. Uh, because there's some things you might believe to be true that ain't true. Look at Roger Bannister. They said you couldn't run a four-minute mile. Right. He did it and everybody started doing it. Yep. They said the heart of us. These were doctors telling people they couldn't do it. That's yep. why I ain't big on letting my, my, my dreams out either because people will shoot at them. Like, people will shoot you down and that, that, that seed will go into you and you start questioning yourself. You know, you know, so, I talk about that a lot when I have, like, I tell everybody to have this a This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. You know, vision board and your dreams all around your wall and your, and your home. Thank you for using GTL. Um, so um, what was I saying? I forgot right quick. Um, so we were talking about that change and uh, separating from people, our growing relationships. The awkwardness of it and whatnot, and being getting accustomed to that awkwardness and becoming your true self. Um, yeah, once you once you grow into it, you're not gonna want to be around them anyway. If you if you become that, and then they're not gonna want you around them either because two different thought process, two different conversations. You can be around them for a minute, but not you know for a while because you know everything is not the same anymore. You know, like when you start getting revelations, like you probably did when you read the Bible, you want to talk about it. And if you're around yeah. some of them, <laughs> they don't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's almost like you can't, you know, because your whole conversation changes, your whole thought process changes. You know, I'm, I'm talking to people about goals and dreams and where they're going to see themselves in the future. And my dudes that I used to hang out with, they they thinking about the girls sitting at the bar and, you know, who house they going over tonight. And, you know, it's a different thought process. Right. It's like trying to go back and play with toys. It's like. The, mm-hmm. the, the nostalgia of it to be there, like I go back, like if you, like right now, I will see a transformer, I'm like, oh, man, I remember I had this one growing up. You might look at it, you might flip it and flop it a few times or change it, and then it's over with. Like, mm-hmm. I can't start playing with it. I'm not about to crawl around on the floor and be having a hot wheel car and a transformer no more. And when you leave this certain level and you start leveling up, you start realizing and reflecting on your life, you're seeing like, man. I can't go back to that. And then when you get the traction, when you start getting the victories, the small victories, and seeing the change and the growth, oh, man, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. All right, Lou, I'm going to stop it right there. Are you on, Lou? You muted? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Yeah, man. Um, boy, you know, we still got about maybe 25 minutes of that. We can do that some other time. But, um you know that was powerful. You know you actually uh, broke down a lot of stuff there. Um, but I appreciate that. And you know, I understand yeah, yeah. the patience. The patience of the process. Like Mike had told right. me about you about four or five times before I finally met you. Who Mike? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know that too. Because I kept asking Mike about. It. He kept saying, "Yeah, I got a guy you need to hear. You need to talk to." And you know, I'm gonna tell you something. What happened with that too? Because. 
I was kind of like, after I heard Mike, and Mike had a great story, man. And Mike is very intelligent brother. And Mike, oh, yeah. you know. Mike's up here. Yeah, Mike's up here. Yeah, he is. He is. He did 10 years for, you know, selling weed when he, like he even talked about, that he didn't even have to do that because he was already in business doing other stuff, but he yeah. got greedy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, he got greedy, but I know he's out doing some stuff. But then he oh, he's doing well. We had breakfast a couple of weeks. We had what breakfast? The beginning of last month? The beginning of this month, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm about to get to meet both of y'all because I hadn't yeah. seen either of y'all face to face. But Mike, you know, when he told me about you, I was like, okay, let me try this again. Because, you know, at that point, I was trying to get booked in prisons. And it seems like nobody wants to hear from me. You know, I, you know, all around Atlanta, all around Georgia. Nobody wants to return phone calls. Nobody. So he said, you know, Ohio. I'm like, hell, I don't care where they are as long as they can get them in the prisons. And uh, when I started talking to you and you had that program outside of prison, which was even even better, but we kind of hit it right off. You know, as soon as I heard your conversation, I knew that you were different than the people that mostly that are in that, in those prisons like that. And he, and he told me that. He kept saying that. But, you know, you don't know until you hear it, you know what I'm saying? So, and just like people don't know or didn't know what I was saying until they start hearing some of these interviews that I played of you. Uh, so, again, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, again, I think the world needs to hear from you, but um, we're going to finish uh, next week that interview number 12, and then we're going to come back to number one because I want you to kind of talk about that one because that's the one that... Uh, that really, that would impress me more because how you were open and honest in the beginning about what really happened because, you know, we, we the goal was to start from the beginning until the end, and, uh, you know, your story should be in the movie anyway. So I think I'm going to send these to Spike. See, <laughs> see, see what Spike. Oh, God, that's a whole other. I have not... We're going to get them books in there. I, I, I'm formulating the plan. That's the thing. can't just do something. i got to formulate the, lay the groundwork. We're going to get them books in there. Remember, okay. COVID happened. That's what, that's what threw everything right. off. COVID happened when they set the signal down. Yeah. Right. COVID yeah, just they, did, they, did, they did trip hard. But, you know, that was a good time during COVID that we could talk because, Absolutely. you know, everybody was on lockdown. And so that was pretty good. But, again, man, we got to go. Appreciate it. Uh, next week yeah. we'll have it for the 12, and then we're going to do number one. And, uh, man, thank you again. All right? So we're going to log on.